Welcome to Sin City with Nick Menenses and Dane McLean. Live chat about everything cinema, from new releases, iconic films, and plenty more for you movie lovers. Live for CMRU.ca. And now, to the men behind the mic. Welcome to Sin City with Nico Manessis and Dane McLean. I am your co-host today, Dane McLean. And how are you, Nico? Doing great. It's been one hell of a week. And how about you, man? It seems like it's been one hell of a week. But I know that you've been uh, applying for an internship and making good progress with that. And uh, yeah, how's, how's the search going for you? Oh, it's, it's going pretty great. Yeah, so far I got two, like one interview this week and another coming up the next week. So I'm sure that, yeah, things will be great. Just keeping my fingers crossed. Fantastic. You have lots of practice with interviews the last year. So I think it'll be a breeze. You hosting Sin City episode 35 you have 35 episodes under your belt which are essentially no different when you think about it that's a job interview it's really just a conversation so i think you will be well tuned to handle as many job interviews as are coming your way that's great thank, thank you man thank you and i could say the same for you as well considering how your experience with previous internships and given how you have two podcasts under your belt this one and of course the famous dmurbf <laughs> that's that's true once you get used to talking to people i think it becomes such an easy thing i was terrible i'm still not great at it but i'm not, not really that good but i was terrible at it uh like three years ago two and a half three years ago I just it wasn't my strong suit at all like I just I I avoided having to talk to people on the phone and then I realized or in person and then I realized why like why be scared why be nervous why be shy it's it's all about learning from other people and that's what podcasts are all about and it's one of the most uh, enjoyable things I've ever done and it makes life easier once you know how to just talk about any conversation with a new person you've just met. I mean, it's it's, it's always difficult, but it's, it's something you have to just do. I think you just have to force yourself to, to be comfortable doing it. You're right, man. You're right. It's about finding that inner confidence, that inner you, I'd say. Good job, too, by the way. Yeah. Thank you, Nico. And I'm so glad we get to practice with Sin City. We're back with... Blair Witch. Yes. Which, in my opinion, I rated as the number one horror film. Uh, well, number one favorite horror film, I think, of all time. I mean, that's arguable. I could always change my mind based on the day. But overall, I think it, it might be my favorite horror film of all time. It's great to hear, man. Yes. And shout out also to our Halloween episode where we just we found out it was your number one as well. And yeah, I, and this film actually came out the, the same year I was born, actually. It's just wow. Yeah. And 1999. That's right. Yeah. Like, um, I've recently watched this film twice. I, I, watched, I first watched it last week and again a week ago to prepare myself for this episode. And oh my God, you know, it's a, it's a found footage film. So I know what people are thinking about the found footage films, but I gave it a look and I really loved it. So amazing. What were some of the reasons it got into your number one? Great question. I think that for, for me, it's, it's a filmmaker, this movie really stood out as, as a student filmmaker, as an independent filmmaker. Low-budget films are sort of, if they're done well, they're really interesting for me because it shows that uh, really budgetary constraints are sort of imaginary once you can think creatively and think outside of the box like this film did. As uh, basically this film, I don't know, I don't know the budget, but it was really minimal. I mean, it was like in the thousands of dollars, maybe. That's right, uh, two hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. That was the total budget. Wow. Okay. Actually, a little higher than I was expecting. I guess that is fairly. That's not that minimal, but 
Like, I mean, very few. I don't, I don't have the money. I don't have two hundred thousand dollars just waiting around. I guess. Oh, I guess so. The original budget was thirty-five thousand to sixty thousand, and the final film with post-production edits, yeah, and like started to kind of increase to two hundred thousand. But I mean, comparatively to other films, that is still that is a small budget, exactly. and it really, it really did show how you you don't need a lot of anything other than a good story. Um, Good acting and some some sort of sort of mythos that you can build around the film that could always help. In this case, the marketing for the film was really innovative for the time, the early days of sort of the internet, and um, they were able to really just be at the right place at the right time by making people actually think that this film might even be a real documentary, which only helped it grow as sort of a cult film. People were really terrified by it at the time, so I found I find that to be the most interesting aspect of the of Blair Witch. That's right. Yeah, like what really meant made the success of the Blair Witch Project was practically the power of the internet. Because in the '90s, it was the industrial revolution. Like internet was become was basically a new thing at the time. Like and. It's one of the best marketing campaigns, as you said. They actually made a website that this was based on a true story and that the actress actually went missing. They even wrote out dates and a whole backstory about the legend of the Blair Witch Project, which really brought people in. It's fascinating, really. Exactly, yeah. I think that it's really... I think a film would have done it like another way if Blair Witch hadn't done it but they were, they were very smart about doing it at the right place right time because um, the internet was about to explode basically in the next five ten years so like you said uh, it was really in the middle of the internet's heyday well early heyday sort of when it was in every home people were getting used to the idea of surfing online and learning about topics online so I think that they just they just had the right idea they were really forward thinking and I'm sure another film would have done it if they hadn't done it but I'm glad it was Blair Witch because really appropriate as far as it being a very um, scary film like I mean my parents were terrified by it at the time they were like 30 in their 30s early 30s like 20s I guess at the time and uh, they still Today stays one of the scariest films for them. I mean, it's always like a film you reference when you're driving with your family in the woods or something, or camping. Mm -hmm. Kind of joke about, oh, this is very Blair Witch, or this is this feels very Blair Witch. The situation I'm finding myself in. So it's just kind of become such a household name, and I think for our generation and the generation older than us, it was really like the film that sort of maybe scared people in a way scared people the most on like the mainstream bubble right yeah in fact and also we let's of course give credit where credit is due because even though Blair Witch Project was not the first found footage horror film that title goes to the controversial cannibal holocaust uh, Blair Witch Project really it popularized the genre and you know to an extent it saved horror because the 90s was it was not a great decade for horror there were there were a few exceptions but it was just mostly slashers and sequels People wanted something new, something innovative, and the Blair Witch Project delivered. It made the horror realistic, like it's shot like a documentary. It really, I think that is the film's greatest secret weapon that made it greatest, the suspension of disbelief. Exactly. Totally. I think you're right on that, Mark. I think... Uh Yeah, like Blair Witch, you, you hear about you hear about common criticism of it. I think a lot of people either love it or really maybe hate it. I think there's there's some people that just don't seem to really get it. Maybe it's the, the sort of the the motion in the film could be kind of disorienting and mm -hmm. causing problems for some people. I understand that. I think that that's a fair point, but I think that uh, you couldn't have done the film another way. Right? You needed like the blur and the documentary style 
the cinematography that is very just authentic. Otherwise, it, you you would know it's a movie. Whereas the whole point I think of Blair Witch is that it's it it made people think it was real, and that's really what made it what it is. And I mean, even now that you know it's a movie, twenty one years later, twenty two years later, um, it's still just as good because it's really. Uh, I mean, it's aged. You watch it now, and it it looks it looks kind of like it's it's outdated, like mm-hmm. as far as the visual. But that's fine. Like I, I really like the sort of nostalgic feeling of that anyway, because I really like the late '90s, early 2000s. I love footage from that time, whether that's in media or news, uh, music videos, uh, behind the scenes videos of what whatever topic documentaries. So I really, I, I'm, I'm a fan of that era, of this era. Like, I, it's one of my favorite times for, for um, film and music and everything. So I, I, I like to be transported back to that time and see the footage from that time. So I, I'm a personal fan, but I can see how some people might not enjoy it as much. It's great to hear, man. Yeah, and I, for one, wasn't... Um, were you particularly bothered by, you know, the, the shaky cam? Like, was it, you know, uh, did it give you a bit of a stomachache or nauseate you a bit? I'm, I'm okay with it. I've never been, I've never been bothered by it. But I can understand maybe if you, I guess it would depend maybe if you're watching on the, on the big screen in a theater. That might, that might be difficult, potentially. I've only seen it on, well, I've seen it, I've seen it once in my class in high school on a fairly big projector screen, not, not a cinema size screen, but it was large. And I seem to be okay with that. And I watched it on my TV at home probably twice. Wow. And I've been fine with it. It's never, it's never bothered me. So I, I enjoy it. I think it's totally just not a problem for me, but I can, I know that it is for some people. How about you? What do you think about well, on a, in the film? Well, on a similar level to you, I wasn't particularly bothered by the shaky cam. In fact, I think it really helped to add something to the horror. It helped to tell the story because we can only see what the camera sees. It makes the whole experience feel authentic. Not like you're watching the film, but like you are with the characters, like you are in the film experiencing the horrors that they themselves are experiencing. Exactly. It's true. And I've, I've always really liked experimental films in this way. Like anything that's sort of breaking the conventions of what I'm used to seeing, I'm usually excited by. I'm not always, I'm not saying like every experimental film is going to be good, but if a film's willing to try to do something new and it's something I've never really seen before, And in this case, it, I had seen films like it before because this came out in 99. I was three years old. I didn't see this film until I was like 17 or 16. So I saw like Cloverfield and like Paranormal Activity mm-hmm. before I saw Blair Witch. But I still like Blair Witch better than those two films because um, I think because there is that sort of uh, mythos behind it, like I said, sort of being echoed by other people, my family and in circles, social circles, and maybe online cinema websites. It's, it just has that, uh, it's just sort of like the, the, the original that did it. And it's the one that influenced all of the other films after it. So that's, for that reason, I love it. But also the experience itself, I think is, is a better, it's a better film than say Paranormal Activity or Cloverfield. But both of those films are actually really good. I really like both of those films too, but Blair Witch, I'm, I'm just, that's, that's the one that I think is responsible for everything else after it. It is, yeah, definitely. Like Paranormal Activity and Cloverfield, while I haven't quite seen them yet, I've heard good things about them, but none of the popularity they've achieved would be possible without the Blair Witch Project. And to your point about experimental filming, To me, the Blair Witch Project is a perfect example of minimalism because less is more. It was shot with 16 millimeter film with just two directors, three actors, and 
a very tight budget and yet it managed to do so much more which once again proves one of my core beliefs that the budget of the film the high or low it doesn't equate the success it doesn't need to be successful with a huge budget just with what you have you can make magic movie magic yeah i couldn't i couldn't agree more it's really yeah budgetary uh whether it's whether you have a large budget or small budget your film is not going to be good or bad at all it's really it's it comes down to literally everything else like how well your just everything about the film how it's delivered i think and it can be done so well with so little like you see so many good films i mean some of my favorite films of all time tangerine mm-hmm. that film by sean baker uh, that film is literally I'm not sure of the budget, but it's very, very small. I think it's probably, it was probably $100,000, probably Whoa. even less than the Blair Witch. And this was 12 years, or more than that, 16 years later. So, I mean, technology advanced quite a bit from 1999 to 2015, but Tangerine still chose to, I guess, it, it was better technology. They were shooting on an iPhone. In tangerine, so that is automatically going to be better than anything from '99. But uh, I mean, as far as found footage films from '99, like but um, that's one of my favorite films of all time because it's it's just it's so authentic. Like, I think the more the more you can get a real look at people, and but at the same time, something you've never seen before. I think that that's what has always interested me more than the big spectacles with, you know, a lot of hype around it, a lot of special effects. To me, those films can be great too, but I'm always looking for the films that I can feel like are within my reach to potentially do something similar because I know I don't have the Hollywood backing as an independent filmmaker in my early 20s. So I like to see stuff that makes me feel like okay if i if i got skilled enough at storytelling and cinematography and casting and and writing that maybe i could come close to something like this that's what i find to be really inspiring by low budget films that are excellent films like tangerine blair witch and I have to agree with you on that one. Yeah, I think to, to us as aspiring filmmakers, in fact, to all aspiring filmmakers, I think this these films from Tangerine to the Blair Witch Project could serve as a lesson that we can make the most of what we can with our very limited resources. Like, say, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre is one that comes to mind. It's, it's not quite a found footage film, but... Director Toby Hooper, he didn't need a huge budget. All he just needed was a camera, a couple of friends, and a car to get to Texas. And the result was one of the greatest and most influential horror films ever put to screen. Yeah, that is so true. Um, yeah, I just watched that for the first time in September, and I couldn't agree more that that film, although, yeah, you're right, it, it was actually quite low budget for the time I still think it looks better than most films from that time, from what was it, 1970-something? Uh, 74. The original. Yeah. Uh, 74. 74. Mm-hmm. I still think it, it just looks so good. Like, I mean, the, the cinematography is incredible. The, the sunset, um, that sort of is, you know, it's like the evening time for part of the film and then the next day. Just everything about the film, it looks so good. I don't, I don't think you need a lot of money to make a film look good. You just need a really good DP and a really talented cinematographer and director and and a great choice of locations. And I think that's that's what makes movies special to me. Not not necessarily the the um, even the most high end cameras or the most expensive effects like those those things are great too if they're used like kind of creatively but really you can make masterpieces essentially just talent i think with without the need for a lot of 
I think it's possible. And it clearly, there's examples of it, like you just said. I could say the same as well for your two films as well, uh, Eighth with Echoes and of course West with Voices. Like that film was all you just needed was some good locations, not to mention a talented cast, great cinematography, and of course direction from our friend and frequent guest Ryan Robinson. Good. That's right, so yeah. kudos to that as well. That's like, thanks, like, yeah. I feel like like it just shows the influence on your work and my work I think um, I don't know I, I can't put words in your mouth but for me like West with Voices was really influenced by in, in a, lot, a lot of ways Blair Witch actually right? that's like my first my first short film that I've directed written produced acted in as an adult like I had a few films when I was in before university when I was like 18 unfortunately are not available online anywhere I did not publish them which I feel kind of regretful for them that was good it was a good experience it was I wish I could find the file somewhere but uh, West with Voices was the sort of the first one that I've been proud enough to share to the world and that was definitely I can see that it was hugely influenced by films like Blair Witch um not that I was trying to make it documentary-esque, but it sort of, you kind of inevitably ends up that way when you're sort of shooting in that style, like we were, we were really just in, the, in nature, just in, in the car, holding a handheld camera, um, you know, someone shooting, shooting from behind the car in another car as a, with a handheld camera. Uh, of course, it was, it, was, it was a great camera, but um, it kind of just ended up, in a way, feeling documentary-esque, and that's, that's what I was really excited about in some ways, because I don't, I don't feel like I, I, I don't have that urge to make it look, it doesn't have to look like, I don't know, huge budget film like that's not what I was trying to emulate more, it's more just getting the story more just getting the emotion and the, the the tension in there and as long as you get that and it sort of works I feel like everything else is sort of not important and uh, if you can kind of if you can kind of get people to feel unnerved and, and a little bit uncomfortable I think that's you've done your job right you succeeded in that for sure the letter, yeah. Well, and um, so we've talked about the Blair Witch Project in terms of the production, like how it managed to make so much with what it, with its low budget and two directors and three actors. And now we'll just get to the scares. Like, what makes the Blair Witch Project scary? Like, the Blair Witch Project, it's just unnerving from start to finish we don't even see the witch even though she is the titular villain and even when we don't see her it doesn't make things any better mm -hmm. yeah exactly like it's more just the usually not anywhere close to being 
on that level. So same sort of psychological element in horror films that uh, good filmmakers, I think, really utilize. It's leaving it up to the imagination, like we've said in a lot of other episodes. And this is like one of the best examples, I think, of that, that technique. That's right. Yeah, you're right. And the Blair Witch Project, it follows one of my favorite horror film tropes, which is nothing is scarier. Nothing is scarier is a trope where the horror is invoked not by a visual element, but rather by the lack of it. Even without a witch or any of the supernatural elements, the Blair Witch Project is a pretty scary movie. Like we've all been in a similar situation where we've been lost somewhere in the woods, wandering around, walking in circles and having trouble finding a way out. And I think it even shows how the main characters, uh, Heather, uh, Josh and Mike, you can see as they're slowly starting to unravel, to lose their minds. And it's, it's very relatable. I mean, it's, it's the woods they, they chose in the film. It's, it's just so, I don't know where they shot. I think somewhere in the eastern part of the U.S., maybe close to, I think, Maryland or maybe close to Washington, D.C. Mm, I think uh, Maryland. Maybe. Yeah. And I, I've never been, well, I've never been exactly there. I've been on the east coast, but not in Maryland. And it doesn't really matter. Like, it doesn't matter exactly um, in this film the location, but it does feel universal in the sense that they chose a very specific location, uh, like against Burkittsville, Maryland. And um, not that you need to really know much about this place or how much information uh, fed to you about the setting, but I think. The fact that they chose somewhere and they really were specific about the this is kind of a small town in the wilderness in this part of the world it sort of makes it universal in the sense like it, you can relate to it uh, as far as being from anywhere close to the wilderness there's always going to be some some creepiness about anywhere that's in the total sort of remote area especially in wooded areas it's just it's just naturally scary i think since it's always been in humanity so many stories have been told with horror elements that take place in similar natural settings so i think it's just ingrained in us probably since sort of the early days of civilization to be sort of afraid of what's in the woods for our own safety right Exactly, yeah, and also it runs on paranoia fuel, like there were moments in our life, I bet, when we were alone, but at the same time we question ourselves if we really are alone and there's not something or someone just watching us. I think Blair Witch Project really plays on that well with the, the fear of the unknown. Like I said, nothing is scarier, like it's the same as, as I mentioned last episode, it's like being in the ocean, someone tells you there's a shark, you can't see the shark but you're still unnerved because it's worse when you can't see the danger when you see the danger you feel comfortable because you know it's there but no but not exactly when it's going to strike it's just unnerving really just uh. mm. yeah exactly and um, I mean the woods are sort of I mean we, we kind of lived in the woods as, as people, right? Like, we kind of, that's probably where we started, we kind of, like, lived our lives thousands of years ago. Um, but I think there's there's always been ingrained in, in stories and fables of how there is just a danger out there, and it's sort of it's mysterious. It could be supernatural. It could be an animal threat. It could be some other dangerous humans and so it's just very primal uh fear that i think we all have and it's just sort of built into us um when we're in those settings because um yeah you really could be uh in danger for a lot of different reasons you go to the woods and uh 
maybe with our like how our technology and sort of urban life has just evolved, we're kind of disconnected from it, and we feel like we can kind of like conquer the wilderness whenever we want because we have GPS and the internet and all of these weapons to fight off evil or animals or whatever. But the fact that uh, what am I where am I going with this? Basically, just that at the end of the day, I think there's something something dangerous that or something that feels threatening to people, and that could even be a supernatural thing, uh, like in this film. So it shows that, like, although we are like super modern and we think nothing can hurt us when we're in the natural settings because we don't have to live there, we don't have to deal with the situations that could come up. Um, it could be something that we've never seen before, like in this film, something that's sort of occult or beyond uh, beyond our reality. Exactly, yeah. And uh, one th first thing that, yeah, if the characters had used that stuff like GPS or even Google Maps, let's be honest, the movie would be over in just 20 minutes. And the other, I really appreciate, I love how the film is more like, is this supernatural or is this more mundane? Like they never, it's never clear what is it that's plaguing the main characters the trio is is there something really supernatural going on like, are they really lost or is the witch just playing tricks on them making them go in a circle we don't know they don't know and that just makes it all the more terrifying and brilliant so true yeah and i mean you could even interpret it as maybe there was really nothing there at all like maybe it could have just been psychological entirely um so it really doesn't it doesn't doesn't really tie any loose ends up which i like it's sort of just you leave the experience not knowing what to believe and it lingers with you and it sort of stays with you for a long time afterwards because they're really they're yes like there are no uh questions answered by the film It just, I love, I love ambiguous endings that way that just leave it open to interpretation. I think uh, this is the perfect choice. You can't just, if it was just, a, I don't know, someone came in in some narration and just explained what happened mm. and everything, I think that would just completely <laughs> destroy oh. the oh, yeah. the effect of the film. So I'm so glad that they, they, they didn't mess around with that too much. Same here, yeah. And also, it really, let's take a moment to appreciate the acting from all the four, the three stars, like especially uh, the one playing Heather, who has the same name as her character. Like, those are probably the most realistic portrayals of fear and dread I've ever seen in a film. I found myself empathizing with the characters, which really helped me, helped the experience terrify me at the same time. Like, like that's there's no overreacting that the way they are acting their performances are very realistic and authentic ways to act when you are lost in the woods and you realize there's no way out as demonstrated with the scene the the apology scene exactly so true yeah I love the close-ups and just the real fear that's just so so obvious in their emotions and their, their eyes uh, yeah that scene where she's um, in, the, in, the, in like a, the tent of the sleeping bag or something that, that scene behind you the light on her it's just so there's just something so haunting about it I mean it's just so <laughs> it is just so simple but I mean it's it's, it's, an, it's I think to me a more effective image than most that I've seen from horror films. That's just, that's purely terrifying. And I think you, you, you recognize and you can, you can relate to that feeling when you've been in that situation. I don't know, I've never been in that situation where I've been, you know, oh, yeah. about to be harmed by some supernatural force. But uh, we, we felt that, like even, even if it's not really there, when you're really terrified of something happening, you're in the dark and you're just so vulnerable. Exactly. I think, um, that's something we've all felt, even if it's when we were younger and we were just totally imagining something, but we can all relate to it. 
Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely, yeah. And the fact that, and the light and the negative space, it leaves the audience thinking something is going to come out and jump out. It doesn't lead anywhere, but it's still terrifying. And fun fact, uh, the actress, she, it was actually supposed to be a shot of her, just her entire face, but she accidentally pressed the zoom button, which zoomed in on her face and nose, but it was more more genuine, more iconic, so the director decided to keep the shot in the film. And it worked to perfection. It's amazing. That's better. Like, you, you really just need the eyes. I think um, the eyes convey so much, and yeah, I think the, the image is even scarier that way, because it's just so... It's just so up close, and it's just you just see the tears in her eyes. Mm -hmm. You don't even need to see her her mouth or her nose. It's just sort of shadowed. That's right. I don't know. It's just it's just a perfect. That's a perfect seat. It is. Yeah. And you'll always feel, I think, a little bit um, torn at the heart watching it because it's just such a tragic. Mm -hmm. It is. Yeah. At least I think it is. I interpret it as tragic. Yes. Right. Like, not. It is, yeah. And the fact that this scene also plays on the what what true fear really is, because fear is not just a static feeling. Fear is the, the absence of hope. And when hope dies, all that's left is despair. And I think that's what Heather, the main character, demonstrates in this very scene. Like they've been lost in the woods. One of their friends went missing and there is no way out of their situation. So at this point, she just gives up. She just accepts her fate. Like she gives up hope and lets despair come in. It's such so yeah. heart wrenching. It's just uh. definitely yeah. I couldn't agree more. And um, yeah, I think it's easy to feel fairly connected to the characters from the from the beginning. Uh, also, because of that very natural, vulnerable, up close and personal style of filmmaking, the documentary style. Uh, cinematography and sequences because yeah you kind of feel like these could be friends of yours these, this, this could be your group of friends you can relate to going out into the wilderness with your friends and uh, sort of documenting experience uh, I mean they're kind of like early 20s I think maybe like university students that's right yeah so I mean you can relate to sort of just the adventurous nature of when you're this age that you and I both are and how you feel like you're invincible, why not push yourself into the wilderness by yourself? What could go wrong? Uh, sort of not listening to the the worries of someone that's a little bit older than you or more uh, paranoid than you and just, that's what's scary about it. I mean, this, this, this doesn't happen, you know? It's not something that happens. So I'm not saying to people out there, you should be scared about the wilderness, this is like, this is not something you should really be scared of. But it's, it's you know, it's just like, what if, right? What if this happened, this could happen? Exactly. So that's, You're right. that's, the what if is always at the back of all of our minds. Even the most rational, logical, calm person will, uh, at times, will have those what if moments of, yeah, something horrible could happen mm -hmm. with the situation that we are embarking on. So. Really yeah. touches on that. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And uh, also to your point, your previous point about the ambiguity of the film, like from the is it supernatural or is it normal? Like even though we see those, you know, those stick figures in the woods, it really it doesn't quite answer our questions, but it does give a bit of a hint as to that there is something supernatural at play. But at the same time, it leaves us thinking the tragedy that happened to our main characters was it more on them or was it more on from outside forces if so which was more tragic that they had the power to change what could happen or couldn't and were just doomed from the start exactly yeah and i really don't know the answer to that and I think that's what makes me want to watch it again. For example, that's what makes it so rewatchable. 
I have seen it three times, I think now or more. And uh, it's been a few years, it's been five, maybe four or five years since I last watched it, closer to five probably. But um, yeah, it makes me it makes me want to watch it again as soon as possible because I think it's a film that if you watched it more than three or four times like I have, I think you would still probably garner a different interpretation and feeling from it and maybe have a different perspective. Uh, maybe when I was younger, I really felt like I, I, I felt like they didn't make any of the wrong choices. I felt like it wasn't their fault at all. Who knows? Maybe if I watch it again, I'll see something new and say, huh, maybe they weren't being all that responsible this way or all that. They didn't make the best choice that way. I'm not sure as I hold it out, but interesting to watch it again for that reason. Oh, yeah. Same here for me. And um, also uh, that the fact that to make this even more of an authentic experience, the directors, um, Daniel Myreich and Eduardo Sanchez, they literally had the actors traverse through the woods for hours on end and with very lack of food, but water to stay hydrated to to give them a sense of stress to stress them out during filming and make give genuine performances it's very chilling and at the same time was worth it i'd say yeah i mean if you were just to the same sort of um performances wouldn't come out of a film where the the, the actors are sort of beside their trailers and in the comfort of, of normal life a few feet off of, off of uh, frame or offset, right? Like if that sort of regular comfort was there, I think. Well, there's lots of there's lots of big budget horror films from Hollywood that have clearly there in areas where they probably have like a great trailer studio nearby for the actors, but. I mean, and they still can deliver great performances, but this one, it's literally, yeah, it's, it's very authentic. I think they, they didn't shoot, like, actually, I think I remember reading, they're not, like, full-on in some very remote location. Like, I think they're fairly close to some major highways or maybe some township or something, but they are in the wilderness, no doubt. They actually, like, had to, I think they, they channeled that uh, real sense of of being there because they were there for, for a while, like you said, they actually were experiencing the elements. And for that reason, I think it just, it, it makes it so much, so much more authentic, so much more believable because they're not very recognizable actors. I don't, I mean, since then, I think the number of them have gone on to be in other films. But I think for a lot of them, if I'm not mistaken, it's my Maybe their first film. It is, yeah, that's right. Mm. Yeah. I think I think for for the majority of them, I know Joshua Leonard. Um, he plays. One second. I'm not sure of the names of the characters. Um. Uh, I want to cut this out a little bit. Of right? course, uh, Josh, um, Heather, uh, Mike, and Josh. The actors' names share the same names as the characters they play. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. So Josh will place Josh. Yeah. I, I'm sorry. About that. So that, no that is also more authentic. Like I think uh, that also added to it, of course, because that was part of the the marketing too. Was that these are actually these people? They are. They aren't actors. They're not actors. So I think that's brilliant. But yeah, Joshua Leonard, he, he's gone on to be in a number of pretty big films wow. since Blair Witch. Um, like he's, he, I think he's probably the one that's done the most since. But yeah, Blair Witch was his very first film, it looks like, judging by his filmography. Oh. And uh, so an unknown, an unknown actor, 24 years old at the time. And so... Like, they did amazing jobs, all of them, all of the actors involved. Uh, they did. But I feel like it's just one of those things I think if you can get the right talent, but talent that aren't the most well-known, you can really make something 
more impactful in that way because people can't really obviously recognize you from somewhere else and kind of feel uh, like this is a simulation of reality. This is not real. And I think, of course, with this film, that was what was necessary. Was that sense of reality, of course. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and... So I think the... Oh, sorry, sorry. Oh, no, no, you, you, go, you go first. You go first. Sorry, because I think the casting call, I think, was like... Uh, just essentially, I'm reading here a casting call advertisement in Backstage magazine. It's prepared by the directors. So literally just... They found these actors through a, a magazine ad, which is that's, that's pretty old school now when you think about it. But that was the, I guess, the way it was done 20 plus years ago, but uh, not in the traditional sense of like finding someone from Hollywood either. So that was they were really doing something quite new at the time. I think also. Right. As far as you hear about that a lot in, in those times, I mean, as far as uh, this is totally different, but uh, the early days of the internet, how it was sort of like with with music, like with bands, and probably with other films, you might have just found actors or your bandmates or whoever wanted to collaborate on a project on eBay or whatever, Kijiji or something, or not eBay, Kij- I guess it's Kijiji, I think, uh, was where a lot of people just sort of like applied for something, and it's kind of a, kind of a weird thing, it's bizarre, but yeah, right. I guess they found the right people through magazines. Oh, they did, it's amazing, really. And um, also, Blair Witch Project would be a perfect example of a horror film that doesn't rely on jump scares because in uh, the horror genre in today's growing world of horror it's usually people just throw stuff in your face there's over-the-top gore and want to show off their impressive visual effects but i think the blair witch project it really succeeds by doing none of that instead a a grimy atmosphere and a very a fear of the unknown and it leaves us the audience to to fill in the blanks show us that sometimes our imagination can be our greatest enemy imagination could be your greatest ally or your greatest enemy depending on uh, the situation in this case I'm, it's fair to say I think it was their, their greatest enemy because you can kind of see how um, if they had sort of collaborated a bit more and helped each other out probably could have they probably could have had a different end but under stress you kind of see the worst people and I think the film is a great way of showing that, that how when people are scared and people are insecure and worried they really make poor choices poor judgment exactly. and uh, yeah don't really think about other people maybe just thinking they might just think about themselves and that can be detrimental to the greater the greater good the group they belong to exactly yeah and and yeah like this what i said before it's not to say i dislike jump scares per se like some of the greatest horror films have jump scares like say alien halloween even the text chainsaw massacre but but overusing them too much can get a bit you know well <laughs> boring and annoying it's more like someone yeah, it's like you laughing at a comedian simply because they tickled you is how i see but instead wow just there are so many ways the blair witch project could have failed like if they show the face of the witch or even some kind of figure resembling the witch but no i think just like this shot just a shot of near total darkness that to me is far more terrifying than any face or monster i've ever seen we've ever seen in film i absolutely agree with you on that definitely um yeah and just the it's just Billy couldn't have been, it couldn't it couldn't be done twice the exact same way. Like I know what I'm saying I think other film, another film could have done it first, but um, now that it's being done, it'd be hard to do it again effectively. But 
there's there's examples of found footage films today being uh, pretty pretty good, but not not quite Blair Witch level. I think this was really the sort of to put it, I don't know, the Citizen Kane of <laughs> found footage films. Maybe exactly. Yeah. It's it's the one that made it possible to make all the other films after it. Started its own new genre, I think. And, well, not. It didn't. It wasn't the very first, but I think it was the it was the most influential, mm-hmm. it was the most impactful, and most uh, universally known and uh, successful. But also, I mean, it made two hundred fifty million dollars. That's pretty unbelievable when you think about it. Uh, it's an eighty-minute film, mm-hmm. and it's. I'm sure so many filmmakers from that time are just kicking themselves. Like, why didn't we think of this first? Why didn't we um, take our camera into the woods and create this sort of premise and storyline with our friends? And that's that's the genius of it. It's, it's so it's so obvious in a way, but they did it first. So that's what makes it brilliant. It didn't take it didn't take. Um, you know, I'm sure there are other people who thought about doing it, but just didn't have the the time or the, the the commitment to pull it through. But this this group of filmmakers, they were the ones that actually took the time to do to do the thing that no one else had really done, and then also very cleverly promote it and find ways to make people want to watch it and take it seriously and not just treat it as some sort of a school project. Obviously, they put a lot of effort into this becoming, looking like it's a really, well, in retrospect, it it looks like a really well-made film as far as it being really cleverly edited and and looking authentic enough. But it's it's not, it didn't take the most... um, it's weird. Like it's it's such a minimal film, but in some ways it took more effort to make it look so minimal because it could easily look too, too scripted or look too manipulated. It's just the perfect balance of like it being it being fictional because it's it's not a documentary, and even documentaries have elements of fiction. In them, but um, just the perfect balance of of it being natural but also being well edited and the two working well together that's right yeah and, and, and we're going to say something no 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 you go ahead no sorry some well yeah to your point it also helps that the majority of the acting from well the actors was improvised actually which really helped make it more natural a natural experience authentic I'd say and another thing it really added to the scare of the Blair Witch Project was with the exception of the credits there is no music at all just sound design the sound of like the trees the the leaves and the wind it really makes it a more horrifying experience too it will leave you looking over your shoulder and keep you on your toes at what might happen next in fact to those who are about to watch the Blair Witch Project at home I suggest you watch this with a the best pair of headphones you can find it's really helps make it a very authentic and terrifying especially terrifying experience yeah I second that. I absolutely second that. <laughs> or on a really, or really good sound surround speakers, so you can kind of hear the, the the scurrying of the forest and the sounds of the forest behind you in different points of the film. Right. I think that the, the use of sound is amazing. Film. It's just you just never know. You just never know. It's it's so unpredictable, and that's what's best about it. You, you never feel like you you know what's next in that film. It's such a such a fluid uh, film, and I don't I don't know if I've, I don't know if you could compare it to any other film in that sense. Is it? It is so short, but it kind of. How long does it cover? I mean, it covers like um, two days or three days or. Um, I believe it's three days only. Yeah. yeah. 
so it's, it kind of feels like there it feels like a long film because there is sort of it feels like it's like real time almost obviously it's not but it's done in a way that it's, it's just perfect length but I feel like it, it does feel like you're you're experiencing three days in the wilderness at the same time like you're kind of exhausted by the end of it exactly yeah Right. Yeah. You're ready to leave the forest by the end of the film. Oh yeah, for sure. And what? And since we're close to the one-hour mark, it's time we get to our favorite scene. Like, what to you? What is your? What do you find the scariest scene from the Blair Witch Project? Hmm. I would say uh, probably the ending. Probably the ending. I think that's just the one that sticks out in my mind. I mean, there's so many times in the film that you're really quite scared. Your heart's racing. You're kind of looking over your shoulder as you're watching it. But I think the ending is just perfect. The, the house scene. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I think it's just so it's so disturbing. Like It just really kind of just makes you say, like, wow, okay, that's really... That was. It's not disappointing. It's it's not a disappointing ending, but it's a disappointing end. The character is just so. Uh, it's, it just sticks with you. Those those last moments in the film, walking in this decrepit house, and uh, the guy in the corner, mm-hmm. just mysteriously facing the opposite way. Yeah. And it's, it's just it's just terrifying. It is, yeah. Burned, burned in my memory. Oh, it's right there with you, man. Like, there's just like a guy standing in a corner, like a mic was standing in the corner. Like, there's just something unnatural about it. Just you, when you found you heard your friend screaming in terror, you'd think the natural reaction would be to scream, like, or be shocked in some way. But he just stands there silently, as if nothing strange has happened. It's just just something uncanny, unnatural about it. It's uh, and just standing there in total darkness. It's unnerving. It's far more terrifying than seeing any witch or scary face it's really effective i'd say not to mention bonus points to the house as well from the the bloody handprints they just send a shiver down your spine it's god it's amazing and on all this done while heather while the girl is screaming those screams are just blood curdling it's really this i feel the film has been building up to this point and it does not disappoint yeah, and I don't want to. I haven't seen the the uh, sequel, like the new one. I don't want to like talk about it because I haven't seen it. But I have heard from other people that no. it just it wasn't the same. It just wasn't the same level of terror. It just I don't know. I think the Blair Witch should never be messed with, in my opinion. No. Um, not that I can't even say that because I haven't seen the videos. Maybe it's good. I don't know if I might want to judge it. Oh, no. Way, but... <laughs> no. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> I have heard that, yes, it's not worth seeing, maybe, especially if you really like the, the original movie. It's no. kind of pretty disappointing, to say the least, I think. Oh, yes. And I'm... Actually, just the Blair Witch is like one of those perfect films. It's like, why even bother? Why, why even try? Exactly, it's yeah. Just, just for money at that point, but it's just, yeah. it wasn't something I should be. Exactly, yeah. And I think touched. One, like, uh, to me, well, there are, are plenty of unnerving moments in this film, but one that really, that really comes to my mind would be actually these two scenes like one of them the scene where after their friend uh, Josh goes missing Heather finds like a pile a bundle of sticks tied with her friend's clothes and she opens it and finds like hairs and a bloody tooth 
it's so unnerving like in a film that doesn't rely on you know over the top gore or cheap tactics this is probably the closest thing we have to an actual death scene and it's really effective very effective we only see the aftermath of it and that i think is far more effective and fun fact too the the tooth the directors they actually got the tooth from or rather they borrowed it from an actual dentist nearby I have no idea. Yeah, that just shows this film did not shy from trying to appear as real as possible. Oh no. Just have to give the filmmakers credit for that. They didn't they didn't take any shortcuts or try to make it easy for themselves. Oh yeah. Um, they really I think they really as 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 you know as as sort of no, I'm not saying it's doable. This film's not really doable. I'm not saying anyone could go out and make this movie and make it. Anyone. Like this is this takes a lot of directorial skill, talent, production, coordination. But I'm saying like um, someone with a lot of money could do all of these things and sort of do it the same way. But the fact that they they didn't have all the same resources, the same amount of money, the same like guaranteed success that this film is going to do well is sort of a risk taking a sort of risk with actually a fair amount of money for young people at the time just a group of young filmmakers that's a big kind of gamble the fact that it worked and they really didn't take any shortcuts or say oh let's just get this film done let's just mm-hmm. that's let's right. just make it easy for ourselves I think they, they really were as artistically just credible and just as hardworking as anyone else probably in the industry at the time so that's just it's just the result of i think just really well made or well well coordinated well uh, produced film experience totally I, I haven't seen any like sort of i don't know if there's any behind the scene i would doubt it but if there's any sort of behind the scenes documentary on the film more stories about the production film i'd love to read about it because it seems like they must have had some challenges. It must have been really hard at times. But they really, they had integrity as filmmakers. And they really they did. <laughs> made something that changed their careers. So oh, I, hell yeah. I can't respect them anymore. But like, I have like, the highest level of respect for these filmmakers that put this off. Oh, absolutely. Same here, yeah. And one more scene, like the scene that really hooked me into the film as well, like that really, really scared me for the first time was the first night where uh, the trio, Heather, Mike and Josh are in the tent and suddenly they, they hear like all these children's cries, like it's so creepy and we don't, we don't really see anything, but they're just so freaked out that they just run out from the tent and into the dark. And at the end, we don't, we don't see the aftermath. And even today, we have no idea if were those really children or was it just the witch playing tricks on them? Them, which again proves the point that not seeing what is out there is far more terrifying than actually seeing what is it's really really chilling stuff man and also fun fact for that scene with the children screaming and crying the directors they they took a boom box and recorded children's noises and while the actors were in the tent they just turned it up full blast and the actors didn't know what was going to happen next their reactions were genuine 100 percent genuine and forced method acting i'd say wow i didn't know that either that's all really like you have all of this interesting insight into the production i didn't know that but that's the only way you can do it i mean I think to really get the reaction you want. So I can't uh, give the director more kudos or the production team because I think they've, they, they, well, I don't know what other films the director's done, but I, I would, I would feel pretty safe to say that that was the best film of his career. I believe so too. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's, I think it's one of the best films of the decade of the nineties. So I, I would assume it's also probably his best film. Oh, definitely. Yeah. It's one of the most revolutionary films of all time, and it's going to be hard to, hard to, to top that as a filmmaker. 
Agreed. Even yeah. if you go on to do a lot of other stuff to make the player witch project, that's something that's you're basically striking like new ground. You, you're like discovering a new world at that point as a filmmaker. And I would be accomplish that. Same here, yeah. And yeah, I really have a lot of respect for the directors and for this film as well. It's probably one of the best horror films I've seen in recent years too, because it really knows what fear is. It, the, the unknown. People are afraid of what they don't understand. Psychological horror I find more terrifying than actual uh, slasher horror. Like, monsters are scary, yes, but I think the best kind of fear comes from what we cannot comprehend or respond to. And I think the Blair Witch Project really nailed that point to perfection. And in doing so, it really ushered in a new era of horror. And that's all the time we have left for today's show. Thank you so much for returning here, Dane. Thank you so much. I always enjoy chatting with you about what we love, what works in movies. It's just amazing. Thank you, as always. (laughs) Thank you so much, Nicholas. And this has been Sin City, live with your hosts, DM and Enemy. I'm Nick. And I'm Dane. Thank you guys for tuning in. I hope we see you next week. Have a great weekend.